Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Comic-Con is canceled for this year, but there's more to this story and part of it is good. Garth Rogerson will be here. Red River X Park is expanding. Waste and Water Chair Cindy Gilroy on composting in Winnipeg and as our Amber McGookin investigates domestic violence in Winnipeg, Councillor Kevin Klein tells the story of his mom's murder at the hands of his stepdad. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. And were there any other facilities in Winnipeg that might have been able to handle Comic-Con or not? Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into prepping a new center for an event this large. Um, there are other locations we're looking into. They just take more time to have it ready. And those wouldn't be ready for this year? I'm afraid not, no. That is the VP of the Central Canada Comic Con, Caitlin Gregrish. I spoke with her this morning. And joining me in studio now, Garth Rogerson, the CEO of the Red River Exhibition Association. Garth, uh, welcome. And you would love to have Comic Con, I'm sure, at the Red River X uh, Park, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, I guess. It doesn't sound like there's a chance right. for Comic Con this year. Uh, And we got a statement, and I read it earlier, from the convention center. They are very busy. Sure. Are you guys seeing an increase in business? Uh, Yeah, uh, we're pretty maxed out. You know, October is always a challenging month, too, because that's a very, very busy month. Um, But we've seen such a a tremendous increase in business that we're looking at expanding. You know, we're actually turning customers away. So that's a, a great thing for Winnipeg. Um, but certainly not a great thing for us to have to turn customers away. Yeah, this is the news. So uh, you're looking at doubling the size of your facility. Yeah, we're going to see, we don't get government funding of any sort, so we have to, you know, build slowly, right? And that's where we started with 39,000 square feet, and we're going to add another 30-plus thousand square feet uh, in uh, starting in 2020. In fact, we're in front of city council in the next month asking for permission to install a new water line. Uh, which is the first step in about $1.5 million of underground work to get ready for this building. And and we hope to have a shovel in the ground in the spring because we need the space. So is it fair to say then that the convention center, the RBC Convention Center, is getting the big national, international stuff, and so therefore some of the smaller local shows are looking for facilities like yours? Yeah, you know, I always say we sort of take the low-hanging fruit, you know, the, the, the shows that are too large for hotels and too small to be in the convention center, or they're industrial in nature. You know, we had just last week, uh, the building was full of tractors, and, you know, if you look at the size of door that uh, drive a combine in, I mean, you'd never put that in the convention center. So we really fill a niche market that that the city was lacking in the past. And we're able to bring some of those shows to uh, to Winnipeg that really couldn't come here. In fact, one of the shows that we have that's here for 25 days, uh, we brought it from Saskatoon. So that's a huge, and it's a, it's a, um, it's a private industrial show and it's a, a product training for their dealers. And so we have dealer principals and mechanics coming in from right across Canada and into the U.S., you know, spending a week at a time in Winnipeg through a whole month of January when it's a particularly slow month in the hotel business, you know. So, so this is is a great economic boost to the city, and we see that uh, growing over time. Uh, back to the expansion, maybe go into a bit of detail for us. What have you right. got now? What do you want it to be? Right. Well, I, you know, I've been wanting 140,000 square feet uh, for years, but the challenge is 
the mortgage, you know, and, and having to pay that when you're self-sustaining, it's very difficult to make those payments. And I didn't want to saddle the organization. You know, that's very risky, right? We don't want to end up broke. So we built this first building and kind of to test the waters, you know, and it came out of the gate very strong. And it's been uh, nine years now. Actually, time goes so fast, but it's been nine years and it's been very successful. And so now's the time to pull the pin on the next one. And we're going to add this uh, addition. And then the building uh, will go in an L shape after that and add another 100,000 square feet. Um, so we're looking at within the next five, six years, I think we could uh, we could get up to there. We'll see what happens with Comic-Con. Based on the statement on Facebook, uh, the Comic-Con Facebook page, I wonder if maybe there are some issues with, with sponsors. We'll see what happens. Uh, but do you plan on maybe reaching out to them and oh, saying, yeah. hey? Well, no, they're aware of our facility, and um, we'd love to have that. You know, there may be a challenge for size. We may not be big enough. Um, I understand from some of the Facebook posts and, and so forth that they have about 40,000 uh, guests. So that that is a very large show. Um, and you know, might be better suited to the convention center. And you know, I always look to we don't want to we don't want to take away from the convention. That's not we want to fill in, you know. And so, if the convention center isn't able to accommodate a show, love to have them. But I don't want to take shows. Like, like I think we should all work together, you know. And let's let's try and promote Winnipeg and bring business to Winnipeg, not feed off each other. So, you know, I'm a big supporter of the convention center, and they do fabulous, beautiful facility. Um, you know, the expansion was needed, and I think that uh, they're doing great things for Winnipeg, and I think we can do great things for Winnipeg as well. Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, this started out as sort of a, a, a sad story that the Comic-Con wasn't right. going to happen. But this is great because the convention center is doing very well, so well they couldn't accommodate yeah. the dates apparently. I call you and find out we're doing so well, we're <laughs> yeah. looking at expanding. So, I mean, this is a win-win story. We'll see what happens with Comic-Con. Right. That's one part of this, but yeah. I love this story. Yeah, you know what? We have uh, 230 days booked in 2019's event days. So you're, you're talking a very faci- very busy facility, and sometimes we're running two and three events at the same time. You know, we can do outdoor events. We have horse shows going on. We've got all kinds of, you know, Lights of the North was there last year, coming back in this year. And, of course, our own events like the Red River X and Winter Wonderland and those other Manitoba Fiber Festival and different things that we do. So um, the facility is very busy, you know, and it means that we're trying to juggle all these different events and, and keep them operational. And sometimes we actually have to run 24 hours a day to do the change over, you know, to get ready for the next show. Cause you know, when the other one's got, one's got to come down, the next one's got to go up right away. So, um, it's very dynamic and exciting. You know, people used to say to me, you know, the X is 10 days. What do you do the rest of the year? Well, we're, we're busy. We're busy the rest yeah, of the year. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you got a show that was, uh, set for Saskatoon and it came here. Yeah. Is Winnipeg kind of becoming, because I, I would imagine geographically we're sort of positioned to. Well, well that's uh, the thing, right? Yeah. We're right in the center. We have, and the North South corridor, you know, down to the states, there's a tremendous opportunity here that we've been missing because facilities weren't available. We didn't have the facilities. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so a facility like we're building is thing you can see that you know in Saskatoon Prairie Land Park. We're mad at me for taking that show, but you know too bad for them. And you know in Calgary and Stampede Park in Calgary, you go to the exhibition grounds in Toronto. Every major city you go to has a facility like we're building. We were missing the boat, you know, and so we tiptoed into that thing because we had to, you know, we had to pay everything. We've got almost $10 million in the ground, like just trying to get services built up and, you know, before we were in a farmer's field and trying to turn that into a development. So that's where we got off, you know, doing the, the retail development, doing an office park, doing all kinds of things to build that dynamic so we can get all these underground services in and build this thing out. 
Yeah. You know, turn well, into a big, a big economic driver for the city. Love it. Congratulations on the expansion. Best of luck with that. I realize this is early on and, you know, things have to well, happen. You're going to see great announcements in the next few months. Isn't that great, yep. eh? Anything else, Garth, before I let you go? No, you're going to see so a lot of, like I mentioned, a lot of announcements are going to come out in the next few months with exciting retailers coming into the development and, of course, the expansion of the park. And there's a few new businesses that uh, we're actually opening as well. So we're going to see some announcements there as well. And right now, we'll shift gears a bit here to composting. I was listening to Jeff Courier's show earlier. Jeff's on right after the start, right after Macklink, McGarry, and McNabb from 10 to 1. And he had on uh, a student and a teacher from Balmoral Hall School, where they are composting big time. They did a waste audit, and they said, yep, we got enough to compost, here is uh, a clip on uh, from Career Show from student Liwi explaining how they are composting now. Uh, so we found that 61% of the garbage that was disposed in our waste audit was actually compostable, which consisted of like plastic cups, paper towels. Uh, we put on rubber gloves and we just, you know, went for it really. That's a lot, right? Almost two-thirds they can compost at Belmoral Hall School. And I thought, well, let's get an update on composting in Winnipeg from Cindy Gilroy. She is the counselor for Daniel McIntyre. Uh, Cindy, I just want to make sure I get this right. You're also the chair of the Waste and Water Committee, right? I am, and Riverbank Management and the Environment. So I'm glad to, glad to be here talking about composting. How do you fit all that on a business card? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a long title, that's for sure. Cindy, thanks for always making yourself available. I really appreciate it. So where are we at with composting in the city of Winnipeg? I know we do a lot at Brady, and I want you to talk about that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there was a time when the composting bins would go on sale once in a while, and I know there was talk of having curbside composting. Where are we at with that? Well, you know, it it is something that the city is exploring right now. We have a comprehensive integrated waste management review that's going to be coming forward shortly. And um, it is something that the city is exploring. Do we know when that uh, will be available, when we'll know the findings or, or not? Uh, no, I don't have the exact date, but I'm hopefully it won't be too much longer, maybe within a few months. Uh, hopefully that study will come back. But composting definitely, great, and I look forward to seeing what you yeah. guys uh, come up with, but, but composting makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? It, yeah, it absolutely does. We are we are currently the last major city in Canada that doesn't have um, an organics program per se, um, but we we do do composting at the city. So we do have some um, some composting. We uh, we do grass grass clippings, uh, your branches, all that kind of yard waste stuff. We do compost that, and you know what? We actually provide that composting to uh, residents. They can come in and get free compost for their own yards. You know, I hear that too much. We're the last city in Canada to do this. What's the holdup? Is it the cost that it would be to have an organics, uh, uh, an individual organics program for, for Winnipeggers? Yes, there there is a cost to it. Um, uh, you know what? Basically, right now, if you compost in your backyard, you're doing things like your vegetable peels, you're doing eggshells, your coffee grinds, those kind of things. If we really want to make a huge impact in terms of our our our, 
our greenhouse gases, we have to be looking at things like meat, like dairy, um, things like diapers, your your even your dog waste. If you're walking your dog and you're picking it up, uh, or your cat litter, those are things that other cities uh, um, um, do look at uh, through their composting program. But those all need to be processed, right? So we have to uh, have a processing facility in order to do all that. And we don't have that at this point, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. It's, I found it interesting, you know, at Balmoral Hall School, you know, almost two-thirds of their waste in their waste audit was stuff they could compost. And so now they're composting it. And I'll bet you if we did that at home, if we as Winnipeggers did that at home, we might be surprised at how much we could compost. Absolutely. I just actually, it's kind of exciting that we're talking about this. I just bought a new bin for my backyard because mine was falling apart. And uh, yeah, like there's a tons of things that we could be doing uh, in our own backyard too. And things like uh, your grass clippings. A lot of people bag your, their grass clipping, clippings after they've mowed their lawn. But if you actually leave that on your grass, it's really good for your, your grass, right? Or you can be putting it if you really want to, you know, take those grass clip clippings, you could be putting them in your own bin and then you know next year you'll have actual fertilizer that you could be using uh, dirt so you can be using in your flower beds so it's it's a it, it really is really good and it's I'm glad to hear that there's students that are really engaged in schools that are really engaged because uh, this is something that we need to look at as we move on in the future for um, greenhouse gases. So let's say we all start composting. Then what? Do we, uh, like, does that then, that composting, do we use it in our yards or does that get hauled to, say, Brady or another location? Or what do we do with it if we, if we have a composting program in Winnipeg, then what? Well, if we have a composting program, people that still compost in their backyard could still do that. So they can still have their own own dirt that they generate, right? That 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 could be something that they still can do. If we look at a, a more comprehensive composting program, it might look at things that you wouldn't normally maybe put in your backyard. Uh, a lot of people don't put the meat meat bones and stuff like that in there because they don't want to attract rodents. So I, I live in an inner city neighborhood, so I have a very small backyard. So I'm very, I, I'm a little bit more cautious on what I put in my compost bin. Uh, but, you know, and just things like, you know, we, we have to talk and look at, at a, as a city what we want to process. But even things like cat litter could be all processed. So that's not going into Brady Landfill. So uh, so those are things that we're, we're looking at. And in terms of, you know, Brady is the second largest contributor of greenhouse gases in the province. So uh, we, we know that there's work to do in terms of what we're putting into our landfill. But we're capturing methane right now, for example, at Brady, aren't mm-hmm. we? We are. That's correct. And we're actually going to be um, we're going to be expanding that gas capture, too. So we're capturing that gas and we're going to look at how we're going to reuse that for energy. So, it's re- so that's an uh, exciting project, too. And I know once or twice a year those composting bins would go on sale through the city of Winnipeg. Is that why that's not happening anymore? We're kind of waiting and, and hoping that maybe we'll come up with a composting plan for all of us and, and, uh, and uh, you know, come up with what we need that way? Or, or what's the reason those bins aren't offered anymore? Well, I don't have the exact reason on the bins, but okay. we do provide the composting dirt. So all that yard waste and stuff that you leave, right. um, whatever week that we come by and we pick it up, that is free at all the at, uh, Brady and um, um, Pacific and all the different uh, uh, little sites that we have. Mm. You can come and pick that up and use that in your own garden bed. So that stuff's fr- free. Um, so we do provide that program.
Well, I, I look forward to hearing uh, more in a few within a few months, hopefully, because I think it's a great idea. The, these kids at Balmoral Hall School have kind of inspired me. That's right. Though you know, and it's great to hear that they're doing such a wonderful job. I know there's there's lots of different schools that are doing different organics program, and it's, I'm happy to hear that the youth are, are engaged because you know what, it's it's them that are going to be taken over from us. Cindy, before I let you go, you rattled off all your responsibilities there, and I heard you mention riverbanks. How are the riverbanks doing with uh, floodwaters on the way? Uh, well, it's, it is tough. We have, um, um, you know, we do have a, a closure on Wellington Crescent, and it's something that we're monitoring very, very closely. Um, um, so, you know, those are always uh, those are always things that you have to monitor. But uh, I'm glad to see that the we're, we're not worried so much about the flood anymore. But we were prepared. We had sandbag crews out working hard and making sure that if there is an area that we needed to protect, we were we were protecting it. Cindy, always thank you very much for your time. Great. Thanks, Hal. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. That is Cindy Gilroy. She is the chair of the Waste and Water Committee and the counselor for Daniel McIntyre. So Amber McGookin is doing this series on domestic violence uh, here on CJOB, on Global News Television, and at CJOB.com. This week, Amber was on with us earlier. And in studio now... Uh, is uh, a gentleman uh, that I really like, Kevin Klein, new counselor for Charleswood Tuxedo in Westwood. Kevin and I have known each other for a while and worked together uh, in the past. And uh, I was, uh, I think I was one of the first to sort of know this story. You you, you shared it with others, but I, uh, yeah. you and I talked about this story and, and you went public with it. Your mom was killed by your, murdered by your stepdad. That's correct, yeah. And for a long time, you couldn't even talk about it, could you? No, I, I mean, quite honestly, it was, um, I didn't know how to, with, a, with a lot of people. I just, I wasn't sure how to, like, how to talk about that or, or you're kind of afraid to talk about it as well. You're not sure how people are going to react or, or how they'll judge you because of the, uh, the, the, you know, how domestic violence is painted in the community, you know, in society. So it, it always uh, was a fear for me to talk about it and part, partly a fear and part of it, I just, I didn't want to think about it at all. I didn't want to try right. to remember it. So yeah. I've been many years where it was kind of hidden away and just uh, uh, locked up, if you will. But you went public with the story. Uh, and by the way, you can read the story at Kevin's uh, website. It, it's there for you if you want to read it. And we're going to talk about it now. You share it now and you decided to share it because you feel it can help others. Right. So um, I, it was it was interesting that when I got asked to uh, participate in an, an event about domestic violence, they didn't know. Um, and for whatever reason, I told the lady um, what had happened to me and she said, would you speak? Um, and I said, yes. And it was very, you know, very challenging, very nerve wracking. Uh, there was people there that knew me very well that had no idea. Um, and... It was uh, really, for me, it was to let people know that domestic violence doesn't have, you know, it's, it doesn't disintegrate. You know, yeah, discrimi- Thank you very much. Yeah. Can't say that word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has no boundaries. And, and this was something that I felt had to get out there because I started thinking about what my mom might have done in that situation. And she was a very strong woman to me and uh, still is today. So... I, I did do that that one day, and I actually had somebody talk to me uh, out in the lobby because after I was done speaking, I, I had to leave. Right. I couldn't really yeah. stick around for a while. And, a, and a, a lady had spoken to me outside in the lobby who was actually in that situation. 
And I was able to kind of support her a little bit and get her out. Yeah. Um, and that's when it hit me that this is what I need to do for my mom to help her, um, you know, be a, uh, you know, motivation for others to, uh, to seek help. And how old were you? Give us some details, just so people so understand how were, significant yeah. this was. I mean, I was uh, I was uh, old enough to uh, to you know have to take uh, my brothers and, and stuff. We all kind of had to live together, and I, I it was around nineteen twenty. Um, so I, I remember talking to one person. Oh, well, you were growing up, and it was like you know what? I don't feel that I was. Um, sure, I guess in, in the age where I could uh, move on uh, or move out if I want, you know, had had. Um, so it was. But you had siblings to take care of, yeah, right? Yeah, who, who both turned out amazing. Just they're both amazing young men, um, and and kudos to them. Uh, very hard. I mean, I've always said it probably hardest for my brother who was there that night, um, and then had to go out, uh, as, you know, just with friends um, or to work. And he was working part time, young kid uh, in high school, and you know he got uh, notified the same of us. Police showed up and you know, came and grabbed us from the different various places where we were to, uh, to let us know. It, it, you know, it's, it's funny because I think about, you know, going back to our childhood, which was very modest. We didn't, we didn't have a lot, but she, you know, worked really hard, went back to school to become a nurse. And it was only a few months after that uh, that she was taken. And it, it, it's hard to, you know, all your memories as a child seem to go away. But that's the one thing that I remember as clear as day is the, the phone, like the, the officers and, and being told and not knowing what to do. And obviously it impacts your life. It changes your life, changes the trajectory, trajectory of your, of your life. Um, and, and, you know, I think I, I said to Amber earlier, this series is really important. This is, it's obviously very serious stuff, but this is important stuff. What, uh, in the short time we have here, we don't have enough time, I but I really want people to go to your website and read the story and, and reach out to you because you really have become support for a lot of people it, w- with you. this. In the short time we have here, what, what do you want people to know out there that might be in an abusive and, and violent relationship? It's not your fault. You're not, you're not bad. You know, you didn't do, uh, you didn't do anything wrong and you certainly can't change the situation. Um, uh, I think you have to, uh, just know that there are people that aren't going to judge you, um, that you need to, um, you know, think of yourself. You need to uh, feel confident in, uh, in, you know, what's next. But I think most importantly is it's not, it's not your fault. And, and really, cause I think what I, what you hear a lot is, well, I think I can change that person. But, I, but you can't. It, it, it doesn't happen like that. So I think you, you know, that's the one message that I, I, I wish that we had known almost. You know, I guess you, you hear arguments and, and such, but we didn't know to what that, that would ever happen. Yeah. Um, and, and now, I mean, you, you look back and you always think, well, what, what, if, what if we had known or what if somebody else had known or, or something like what could we have done? Nothing because we were young. We were young. But uh that would be the biggest, most important thing is it's not your fault and um, you, you deserve to, to uh, live your life and you need to get out. And there's, there's help there. There is help. Kevin, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.